Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're in the extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Sally Murphy. While old foes Team New Zealand and Oracle Team USA will be having flashbacks to 2013 as they rekindle their rivalry in the 35th America's Cup Finals this weekend. Last time, Team New Zealand squandered an 8-1 lead over Oracle to lose by a single race. This time round, they need 8 wins because they start on minus 1 point for being the defenders, while Oracle start on plus 1 because they picked up a bonus point at the start of the regatta. So can we win the cup this time around? We're joined now by our America's Cup reporter, Todd Nile, who's in Bermuda. Team New Zealand is... Uh putting on a very confident face. I, I went and talked to the operations manager, Kevin Shoebridge, this morning, just before they went out for today's training and shakedown session. And they appear genuinely to believe that they are on an equal footing with Oracle in terms of where their boat is at versus where Oracle's boat is at. And they also have a lot of faith in the sailing team, particularly with what they see as the gains and the strengths that the team has uh, built up during that challenger final duel with Artemis, you know, which culminated in Team New Zealand winning a couple of starts over a team that had previously beaten Oracle. So they really feel they've made ground on the sailing front. They yesterday put that uh, the wing that they smashed in the crash back on the boat. It had been a long repair job. Took that out, gave it a shakedown, quite happy with the way that's going. So they're saying really in, there's only sort of a, a day left in Bermuda time for them to work and there's nothing radical going on. They say it's really now about understanding better what it is they've got on the boat, the systems that they have got, rather than throwing anything new in. Because after the capsize, obviously that first race after it, they said that the repairs were all done and everything, but are they back to 100% or is there still a bit of covered up damage on the boat? Oh, I'm sure they're back to 100% now, but I think with hindsight, in the days after that crash, for example, when they said it was ready to go the morning after and then raced it the day after that, uh, it was pretty clear that the morning after it was raceable, but not really as good as they wanted it to be. And even on race day the following day they said well you know there's still some more things we need to sort out so that has been a slightly longer job to get the boat back to normal but in the time that they've had now they you know they've quite clearly moved on to other things that they wanted to test before they face Oracle Team USA. I've seen pictures of American spies, if you'd, if that's what you'd call them, like a Oracle cameraman actually taking pictures of Team New Zealand and keeping a close eye on them. Are they are they watching us that closely? Yeah, everybody's watching everybody quite closely, and that sort of thing that you've seen is now legal. Uh, most days when the Team New Zealand boat is lifted by crane up off the stands and across and into the water, there's a, you know, there's a rubber ducky out there with a, an Oracle Team USA photographer on it, you know, taking snaps of dagger boards and 
uh, the, the rudders and, and anything else that they can see just to have a look at what configuration the boat goes in. I haven't ever watched the Oracle bases on the, the far side from here, so I haven't been to see if Team New Zealand does the same. But they say, yeah, they keep a very close eye on Oracle to try and understand what's going on with the boat. Obviously, it's an old rivalry. Have there been sort of comparisons to 2013? Yeah, it seems to be something Team New Zealand isn't keen on talking too much about of the sailing team. Only the skipper, Glenn Ashby, was in that crew, you know, which which had the cup sort of snatched almost from their grasp at the last minute in San Francisco. Um, talking to Kevin Shoebridge, he says most of the sailing team, they're young guys, they weren't there, they're not affected by it. They've sort of come in with their own view of how things are. But certainly, I think within the team, that's... The, the rivalry and the, the, the competitive tension that that creates is probably part of what they would hope to achieve on the water if they could beat them. What is the mentality within Team New Zealand going into this final leg, one down when Oracle's one up? Yeah, they do seem to have that just that classic Kiwi sort of uh, hunkered down, not saying too much, letting the sailing do the talking uh, kind of view. I mean, clearly that, that minus one point, and that's the way it works, is Oracle Team USA will start on zero and Team USA uh, and Team New Zealand will start one down. I mean, clearly that is a hurdle, but they say, you know, they feel in, in all respects that they have nothing to fear from Oracle Team USA, and from here on in it's going to be down to how they sail on the water. And so their ability to, to climb over that minus one point is really down to how well they sail on the day. So being in Bermuda through the whole Cup Series, do you think we've got a shot at bringing it back home? It's really hard to say because we haven't seen Oracle since that Challenger Series. But Team New Zealand, particularly towards the end of the Challenger Finals, was sailing very well, was sailing with more confidence and in those slightly lighter conditions, looked really good and Team New Zealand's view of the forecast for the opening weekend is the winds could be, you know, in that 9 to 12 range, which is a range that they sail very well in. But what we know also from San Francisco, and you get the same feeling here again, these are two clever, well-resourced teams with very good sailors and good technology, and we wouldn't be expecting to see too much between them. But, you know, who's going to be in front? You know, I... I I simply wouldn't get there after the San Francisco experience. That's Todd Nile, our America's Cup reporter in Bermuda. The British and Irish Lions are two wins from four matches and this weekend play what is regarded as the fourth unofficial test of their tour when they play the Māori All Blacks in Rotorua. The match will be 33-year-old former All Black flanker Liam Messon's last for the Māori side and he told Joe Porter he's starting to feel his age. I'm an old man now, so uh, one of the one of the guys on this team, Young Bucks, is bloody 22, 11 years <laughs> older than him, so um, no, definitely it will be... Um, uh, and it's special to have it here at home. So, um, you know, uh, looking forward to the challenge ahead. I guess it would be nice to, you know, finish off on your old stomping ground in particular with a famous victory. Yeah, it would be. Um, you know, the result would be would be wonderful. Um, this, the performance that that I really uh, uh, is worried about is 
uh, making sure that as a team and then as individuals that we can perform to our potential and um, you know the result will hopefully take care of itself. So if you start looking for results, then that's when you start going to start messing up. So just making sure that uh, you know we've got a lot of responsibility uh, in this jersey to make sure that we can uh, uphold and uplift. So uh, making sure we get that right first. We all know the Māori like to entertain. If the Lions play like they did against the Crusaders, they might make that tough to do. How do you, I guess, try and combat what could be a real rush defence? Yes, it's something uh, that we probably haven't really faced in Super Rugby. Um, probably the closest thing I could see to it is the, is the Hurricanes um, defence. So um, it's something that we're going to have to adapt to um, you know, with the trainings that we have had, uh, we've, we've practised. Um, but it's something um, you know, the boys are very, uh, are very aware of what's coming. Um, so just making sure that we can adapt and um, you know, the coaches have done a great job this week giving us a, a pretty simple and easy structure to, to stick to but also having that um, I guess that licence to have still that, that mouldy flair that, that we want to play it. How special is it, I know um, this will be a controversial statement but having the game in I guess some would say the sort of seat of mouldydom in New Zealand, how, how nice is that? Yeah, oh, there'll be heaps of Māoris around the um, country <laughs> have, have their opinion about that. But, um, no, nah, it's awesome to, to have. And I know there's going to be awesome support um, uh, come Saturday. So, uh, like I said, the boys uh, understand the responsibility that's on, on their shoulders. But we're walking towards that pressure and I'm um, looking forward to it. I guess, do you feel any sense of, and this might be an appropriate question, if you don't answer if you don't, any sense of, I guess, strange irony or something, being in the Māori playing the Lions in Rotorua, considering just the history of the two countries and colonisation and all the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess, I guess so. Um, you know, this country's and our people have moved on from, from those days and, um, you know, it's just great to have... Celebration. Yeah, it's great to have a, a, a team like this, uh, the Lions, and a game like this in, in, in Vegas and, um, you know, we get to showcase uh, Māori rugby. Um, it's in our blood and it's, in, you know, it's what we do so in our DNA. So hopefully uh, with a dependent, um, you know, the, the fans will, will see uh, Māori rugby at its best. And I've been downtown today and I was in the barbers and they said Nihi and a few of the boys had been in for some cuts. It's nice to, I guess, touch the community here like that because it's special, right, the Māoris to this town? Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Um, the boys also done a bit of... Uh, I might get them in trouble, uh, a bit of lugeing and uh, doing all the adventure stuff, uh, which is famous in, in down here. So uh, we definitely, um, you know, we had a pull for you at the start of the week and just the, the energy and the passion that the, the people of this place really gave the boys is, uh, you know, another eye-opener for some of these lads. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always good to, to get outside the community and, and give back. And rugby-wise, this is going to be a test match on the weekend, yeah? Yeah, it is. It definitely is. And we're under no illusions. We know, um, you know, this, this team is hurting, the Lions is hurting. Um, it doesn't matter what team you're in, uh, when, when you're hurting like that, you're always going to be a very dangerous side. And um, People are saying it's their dress rehearsal against the All Blacks. Um, you know, we've, made, we've made sure as leaders that our boys understand that it's, uh, it's going to be a test match uh, kind of intensity and, and the level that it's going to be. It's not going to be like another Super Rugby game. So we've got to make sure that we can step up to the plate. And uh, what I've seen this week, um, you know, I've got full trust in, in our young lads to do that. Liam Messon talking to Joe Porter. And we're joined now by Joe to talk about the Feast of Rugby coming up. Joe, the Māoris obviously had that historical win back in 2005. Can they recreate it tonight? They've certainly got a good chance. They've named a top side with more than six former and current All Blacks inside it. Uh, they've got a backline that's star-studded with fantastic Super Rugby players. Their forward pack is seasoned and again they've got All Blacks in there and they've 
uh, been fairly cohesive after playing on the end of year tour last year, so they have a damn good chance. However, the Lions, I believe they're going to play like they did against the Crusaders. They're going to try and really strangle a win out of this game, and that will try and stifle the Māori uh, who want to express their rugby and play some running in an expansive game. So it's going to be a real contrast in styles. The Lions, you, you would think, are going to try and strangle the the victory out of the Māori and Gautrua, while the Māori will try and break down that fast, rush-like Lions defence and try and score some entertaining tries. So it is going to be a contrast of styles, which should make it fairly compelling. I imagine it will be a real test match atmosphere, considering how desperate the Lions will be to get a win, to take some momentum into the first test against the All Blacks next week. Yeah, well, the Lions sort of seem to focus heavily on their defence against the Crusaders. Do you think that this time around they'll put a bit more emphasis on the attack? You would hope so, and I imagine that's what the coaches will want, although I still think that defence and rush defence will be the basis of their game plan. They've picked 11 of the players who played in that win over the Crusaders, uh, including most of the the forward pack and the entire back row, the loose forwards. So I imagine they're going to employ a very similar style of game plan. Uh, Hopefully they'll be able to express themselves a little bit more on attack now they've had more time to gel, and they showed a bit of that against the Highlanders, although they've named a completely different starting 15 from that team. So I think it will be more traditional rugby with a flat rush defence, forward dominated, and the Lions will try and slow the Māori down at the breakdown. And I imagine that's probably the kind of game plan they'll take into the All Blacks as well. If the Lions are beaten by the Māori All Blacks, what do you think that message will send before the first test next week? Well, unfortunately, Gatland hasn't picked the strongest possible side. He's trying to fox a little bit, which makes me think he's running scared somewhat ahead of the first test against the All Blacks. So while it isn't their strongest side, there'll be room for people to say, well, look, it's not the test team, so a a loss isn't the end of the world. However, they want to build winning momentum. They want to prove that they can match what is an international side in the Māori and prove that they've, I guess, progressed and become more cohesive over this tour. However, I do believe it's probably the performance for Gatlin that's more important than the result on Saturday night. It'll be an interesting one. And the All Blacks also start their season tomorrow night against Samoa. How do you think that game's going to pan out? Probably like most expect, it'll be a one-sided scoreline probably by the end of the game. However, it's exactly what the All Blacks want. The Samoans will test them at set-piece and the line-out in the scrum. They'll be physical at the breakdown, just like the Lions will be. Um, And they'll give them a good run for their money and they'll shake off all the cobwebs and rust that a lot of those players have. So what the All Blacks will be looking for is an accurate performance at a high level of intensity throughout the game uh, from all their players as they you know, look to... look ahead to that first test against the Lions so it's it's essentially a chance to shake off the rust get the combinations going and make sure they hit that first test at full speed ready to run their game at 100% And what do you make of the the team that Hanson has picked? It's the strongest side, it's the shadow test team it'll be the same next week bar maybe the inclusion of Kieran Reid and and another one or two other veterans potentially on the bench. But I think that's what we see this week by the introduction of Kieran Reid is what we're going to get next week. So he's picked a stronger side. He's not foxing. He's given them a chance to, to prove their worth. It's the incumbents with a few other people filling in for injuries. But it's a very, very strong side. Uh, and I think the Lions will be looking at it and knowing that they have to put in their very best performance to have any chance of matching this all-black team. New Zealand motor racing drivers Earl Bamber and Brendan Hartley will compete in one of motorsport's iconic races, the Le Mans 24-hour race in France this weekend. The pair drive one of the Porsche cars along with German Timo Bernhard. 
Bamber won the race in 2015 when driving for the third Porsche car, but never got the chance to defend his title last year as Porsche opted to race only two cars. But he's back this year and says coming to grips with the race rather than thinking about the opposition is the biggest obstacle to success. You drive around for 24 hours and you let some drivers drive and uh, normally some things go wrong. So, you know, the first thing that you have to focus on is to try and beat the race. Um, to beat the race, normally you have to have a clean race, no problems, and then you can worry about the competition and how quick you are. But if you get caught up in also how quick you are, it's also easy to make mistakes. So, um, you know, you have to first beat the race. Let's talk about this iconic circuit de la Sade and just give us an insight into what it's like to race around here. I mean, it's certainly a very, very special place to race. You know, there's this, like a circuit like none other, um, you know, to take these monsters out on a public road. Only really place in the world that you get to do that. And then, uh, you know, the long straights, the fact that you can stint for so long as well, it's also a very special aspect. And this year the heat's going to be intense as well. It's going to be really, really tough and taxing and tolling on the drivers. If you look, everyone was just doing some quali runs, but everyone was sweating. So, you know, it's going to be a different type of race, but it's going to be a hot, hard race. Let's uh, talk about the rivalry, shall we say, between Porsche and Toyota. A lot of talk leading up to this week. I mean, one thing's for sure, from any racing fan, we're going to have a fantastic race, full on, for 24 hours. 100%. I mean, I think it's going to be the one of the epic battles um, that we've seen, you know, and fortunately we lost Audi, but the rivalry between Toyota and Porsche has just increased uh, more and more, and obviously with the big one coming, it's getting really, really intense now. Cast your mind back to just two years ago when, of course, you won this iconic race and no doubt the biggest moment of your career so far. But how hungry are you to win it again? Uh, Very, very hungry to win it again. You know, uh, it was really tough to come back here and have no chance to defend it and, uh, you know, just uh, watch that chance drive away. But, um, you know, really, really hungry to try and get a, a second victory. Also, it would be great to get uh, for Timo and Brendan a win, you know. Um, they've been working the project since the beginning. They really deserve one. New Zealand motor racing driver Earl Bamber. New Zealand's favourite sports could die off if they don't connect better with the growing Asian community. Recent projections say the community will grow to become nearly a quarter of New Zealand's population in 20 years. And as Bridget Tunnicliffe reports, netball and rugby will have to work hard to get the attention of the younger generation, who may be focusing on study, or sports from Asian cultures. Lawyer Mei Chen moved to New Zealand from Taiwan when she was six, when her father was brought out to train the New Zealand gymnastics team. Ms Chen also chairs the Super Diversity Centre for Law, Policy and Business. And she warns if New Zealand's traditional sports don't do more to engage with new communities, they will languish. They will not have a pipeline because they won't have young kids going in at a sufficiently early age to get really good at it. There's going to be problems with um, contributions, there's going to be problems with volunteers. And and as these people grow older, they don't play these sports, they're not going to contribute to them and they're going to have their own um, sporting venues. In three years, one in three Aucklanders will be of Asian ethnicity. A 2014 survey showed rugby sits just 20th on the list of sports participated in by Aucklanders, and the rugby union is taking action. Connecting with Auckland's growing Asian population is now one of the union's main strategic focus areas. The head of provincial union rugby, Steve Lancaster, says their research tells them 
people from Asian communities don't gravitate towards collision sports. That comes down to perceptions and understanding. You know, and it's, again, you could talk across any ethnicities, but parents will be the decision makers on what, what sports their children play. And if they see rugby as being a sport that has a high risk of injury or high levels of contact, which they don't naturally gravitate to, then it's unlikely they're going to want their children to play. And hence it's incumbent on us to develop alternative forms of the game that don't involve some of those traits. Steve Lancaster says they're working on developing different versions of the game, like Ripper Rugby, which is non-contact. Ruth Stanley is Netball New Zealand's head of community netball and says junior age groups are showing the most increase in participation for the Asian population. But she says they are competing with other activities. Some of their research tells them that you know kids are really busy after school in the Asian population particularly they're doing after school tutoring in English and and after school tutoring in music so it's around finding a time that better suits the needs of participants. Sport New Zealand surveys show those who identify as Asian participate in sport and recreation less than the average Kiwi. Lack of time is a big reason and Chen says that's because education is the priority. Because of the amount of time that young people are expected to study by their parents, the weight of expectation is huge. Every Asian person will tell you this. The culture we come from is extraordinarily competitive. Sport New Zealand's community sport manager, Jeff Barry, says more needs to be done to encourage migrant communities to get active. Quite clearly we're not meeting the need. In some cases it's not culturally relevant. In some cases I've grown up in a culture in New Zealand where doing stuff was good and increasingly our migrant community may not come from that type of culture so we have to start to introduce them to the idea of why should you be physically active. May Chen played every sport on offer when she was young. That was my acculturation. I learnt my leadership skills there, I learnt how one was supposed to work as a team, I learnt Kiwi culture. May Chen says aside from the obvious health benefits of physical activity, sports set her up well for life in New Zealand. Court Bridget Tunnicliffe-Tene. That wraps up Extra Time for another week. Make sure you check out our website, rnz.co.nz, where we will be live blogging the Lions and All Blacks games, as well as all of the America's Cup finals. I'm Sally Murphy. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.